0: Snap production Market. the ISX the stocks. This is Motley Fool Money.
1: Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that has no idea what we're gonna do now. I'm Scott Phillips from the Motley Fool and I'm joined by Strawman's Andrew Page. How are you, buddy? I'm good, Scott.
0: Uh yeah, it feels uh it feels a bit strange with uh, September ticking over. It's, it's... Welcome it's to spring. Yeah, well, it's, it's the spring that. has started, and all of a sudden there's just a far fewer amount of ASX announcements, which is <laughs> probably a good thing. I think I might have said last
1: week or the week before that this is one of those things where August starts and it kind of ramps up slowly, and it starts to get busier and busier. By the third week, it's like, oh my god, I can't keep control of this stuff. There's just stuff going everywhere, mm. and then just stops dead. Yeah. And like you wake up on, on September one, and it's like, well, now what do I do? And it, you know, it's just, <laughs> it happens every six months, and we're used to it. But yeah. it, I don't ever quite get over that idea of just the the sheer fire hose of stuff. Mm. And then nothing. You kind of look around and go, well, "Where's, where's everything?" Like it's, it's funny how your brain conditions you after a period of time, either pre-earning season and then during earning season. Eventually, it'll happen after as well. Um, yeah. But just, yeah, just that weird kind of like, now what? I, I, I we, we, get the announcements emailed to us, our email inboxes, and some days, mate, I would have had uh, sixty or eighty separate emails by 10, ten, ten thirty in the morning, mm. and you just look at it and go, "Oh my god, how do I get through this stuff?" And now mm. nothing. As you're saying, nothing, nothing turns up. It's one of those,
0: it's one of those <laughs> stories, hey. Well, I generally think as a general rule with investing that no mm. news is good news. Yes, I agree. Do you know what I mean? It's like if I haven't heard from a company for a while, there's no <laughs> sort of urgent sort of updates. It's, yeah, it's yeah. generally okay. Yeah. I can I Actually, speak. of which, I, I,
1: this is a little bit of inside baseball, but it may apply, I may not, to straw man. Um, I know at the Motley Fool we have members every now and again say, you haven't talked about this company for a month and a half or you know, six weeks or eight weeks. Uh, we'd like an update. What's going on? What do you think? What's, you know, what's happening? And it's exactly that, right? It's that idea of no news is good news. It's, I understand that people want regular in, inputs and, and updates, and I kind of get the idea of like, well, I, I'm holding this thing and I've got X dollars in it, and I'd like to still feel like you guys like it or something, or, or tell me what's going on. And honestly, the, the, my response generally tends to be, you know, Warren Buffett has a line, uh, talk about acquisitions in, in Buffett's case, but he says, if the phone doesn't ring, you'll know it's me. In other, <laughs> other, in other words, I'll call you. you know if the phone's not ringing, then, you know, no, I'm not interested. And yep. it's kind of the same with his with updates, right? It's like, Honestly, in three months, the chances that my view of the company or the investment has changed are really, really small, particularly outside mm-hmm. of earnings season, for exactly that reason. It's just like, share price are volatile, we know that. Um, if they get super high, maybe you will sell because we're being offered too high a price. If it gets super low, maybe we'll buy more because we like it a lot. Uh, but absent an actual business update, Honestly, it's kind of one of those, you know, no news is good news. Just put it in the bottom drawer. Don't worry about it. Um, you know, I, we could devote resources and time to saying, yep, so Company X, yep, still like it, still like it, still like it. Mm-hmm. Um, learnings was this, yep, yep. We said that last week, but it's still the same. Uh, and look, honestly, people probably love it. And it probably, you know, the, the challenge for us is it takes up time and effort, right? And so mm-hmm. if I've got people who are looking at doing something for our members, I'd rather be looking for new stocks or, or at least, you know, make sure the stocks have got are okay rather than just mm-hmm. kind of repeating the same stuff just saying stuff for the sake of staying stuff maybe it's bad business maybe I should just do every week and say yep still still like it well, yep
0: still a buy that's not by the way that's why well, that's but, um, that's, you know. that's why share price movements are so appealing from yeah, a coverage standpoint <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, yeah. because even when there's nothing happening they're, they're going to move exactly. you know sometimes they move a lot on, on kind of no news and so there's you can see why people gravitate towards that kind of stuff because it's just it's always there um in terms of actual news that moves the dial, it's, it's actually not that common, and you don't want it to be too common. Obviously, you love some surprise updates that are that are you know yeah. the company's going much better than expected, etc. But generally speaking, it's yeah, I I, I totally hear you. It's, it's it's a bit of a weird thing, and and Funny, it feels it, looks- it feels that the the thing I find from being sort of in that in the position of of a commentator is it feels like a bit of a cop-out if someone says, yeah, oh, what do I do with this? Right. And you go, I don't know, nothing. Yeah, well, well yeah, it's changed. And people yeah. look at you as if you're yeah. idiots. What do
1: I mean? Yeah. You, you're meant to to up, up 6.5% since last week. I'm well, sure something.
0: Think, look, whether it was... We can argue about whether the whatever the true intrinsic fair value is, but if it was a half-decent stock to hold yesterday at 5% less, then it's still a decent stock to hold today at 5%. more. Well, I can't believe that any of us are that good where we know with such precision that you know, where the true yeah. price should be and that how it's gonna it's just it's just all a big distraction. So I mean that's that's look, just to come full circle, that's what's so yeah. great about earnings season because that's when you actually get to look yeah. at the actual <laughs> business and what's it's changing. It would be mm-hmm. nice if it was better paced throughout the year, I'll admit that. But uh, mm. yeah, anyway. We have gone off on a massive tangent, haven't we? we
1: what? Started. Which is always—it's always, it's always I mean, this, uh, to be fair. Let's be honest: the, the podcast is a tangent occasionally with some stuff we plan to say in between. So <laughs> let's uh, let, let's not let's not too, set too high an expectation that we might actually stick with something different than what we normally do. Tangents um, on tangents. Yeah, <laughs> so this is pretty the tangent. If we renamed it today, it might well be uh, the tangent podcast with occasional bits of news. Nice. Um, speaking of news, though, GDP out on Wednesday, and again we say most weeks this isn't necessarily directly relevant to investors, but. Uh, f- f- for the sake of the economy, it kind of does matter, right, I guess, where the economy goes next and, and what prices were offered and that kind of stuff. GDP uh, economic growth came in at 0.7% for the June quarter mm-hmm. on Wednesday. It does, mate, a, a funny calendar because it happens to be the 1st of September, but I, can, I, can I say, speaking of tangents, I'm, I'm not going to bag the ABS. They do a wonderful job with very, very, very limited resources, but you'd imagine between some extra resources and a little bit of extra effort, surely two months in 2021 is too long to wait to work out what happened in the June quarter, right? It goes from <laughs> it goes from April. Right? It's, not, it's, not even, it's not even it's like they don't have a June 30 numbers. They are literally the combined activity of every business in the country. It's an estimate, but you know, from the first of April, yeah, April, yeah, to the 30th of June, and it doesn't come out till the first of September. Like, I, <laughs> and again, I, I absolutely, I honestly do not blame the ABS. They they are massively underfunded. They do a fantastic job. Massive fans of the ABS. But how on earth can we not get data more than, we're talking about the June quarter, where two thirds of the way through the December quarter, October quarter, sorry, and we're expecting this to be a negative quarter of growth. Man, it would have been nice to know the June numbers a month or so earlier, wouldn't it? Just just oh, it for our policy, in. we don't yeah. we don't need it, need it for investing, but for policy, for, for kind of commentators, like for just general kind of what should the economy be, what
0: is what's it doing, where is it going? Gee, it'd be nice to know. Well, it's like watching. It's like as they say, it's like driving by looking in the revision mirror, yeah. except that? that you can't see immediately behind the car. You can only sort of yeah. see two hundred meters behind yeah. the car. It's sort of like, <laughs> oh, that's that's what I passed a couple minutes ago. You yeah, know. exactly. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah it's, it, it is a bit weird. And it's strange, too, in this day and age, too, where you've got to imagine. I can't imagine there's mm. still too many businesses in, in the country that aren't on zero or some kind of right, electronic right. accounting, you know, where yes. the submissions are very easy. And, you know, yep. I don't know. It just, I agree, two months, a long even, time even, to wait. Even bank credit card data and like the, the, those things yeah. are
1: just so available, you could cobble together something more quickly. Um, 0.7%, mate. Better than that, the estimate actually of half a percent. And mm. I got to say, I, I'm an optimist by nature, as our listeners well and truly know, and you certainly know. And the couple of days before the numbers came out, there were a couple of economists saying, look, this could actually be a negative quarter. And we know that recession is uh, is kind of considered, and there's no official definition, but considered to be two negative quarters of growth, or in other words, contraction. Mm. Uh, and we know the current one's going to be a negative one, right, just going is going to be because of the lockdowns. And so there was some sense of like, oh, like, does it matter what happened two months ago? Not really, but I'm a huge believer, mate, in the, in the impact of confidence. We know that psychology drives activity and behaviour and stuff, and if if we if we do end up with a capital R technical recession, whether or not we're officially in one or not is kind of part of the story. People are losing their jobs, businesses are closed right now because of lockdown. So we know things are bad and tough, and we hope to get out of it quickly. But it is what it is. As soon as though you put that R in front of it, people go, "Oh, not only COVID, not only lockdown, but now recession." Mm. And for the for you and I, and for for the commentators and journo's, we know that it, you know we know the lay of the land. The average person is just getting on with their jobs and just trying to live their lives and bloody get through a lockdown for those of us in the eastern states or southeastern states, um, you know, who don't see it every day. There might be doctors or nurses or fireys or ambos or uh, construction workers. You don't see that every day. Mm. As soon as you know that the papers say, we are in recession, big black letters, top of the page, above the fold, all that kind of stuff, it's going to have an impact on confidence, right? It's going to say to people, well, you better be careful. Things are tough right now. Ironically, we're probably closer to the end than beginning by the time that <laughs> the data is known. Yeah. Um, but it, it is one of those things, it does impact confidence. It impacts retail sales, it impacts hiring, business investment. Um, it's one of my favourite, probably my single favourite, a leading indicator economically is that confidence number. Because mm. if business and, and consumers are confident, they're going to go and do the things they want to do, they're going to feel optimistic, go and spend, invest, uh, hire. When they're feeling, you know, unconfident, non-confident, mm. inconfident, whatever the right word is, um, they're going to, uh, they, they're going to not do those things. Oh, will I buy the new coffee machine for the cafe? I better hold off just in case. Will yeah. I, will I hire that new staff member? Oh, we can probably get by for another few months without it. Um, you know, that kind of, will we, you know, um, consumers? Do we go and buy the new lounge? No, let's not. Just in case I lose my job, I'll keep the thousand bucks in the back pocket. Mm. Um, it does have an impact on economic activity.
0: Well, it, it's a, it's, it does. Um, it's a bit of a self fulfilling prophecy. I, I agree. Yeah, right. Actually, that, that, that phenomenon tends to work on the upside a little bit too. Like you know, that when does, things are going really well, particularly does. in the stock yeah. market, it's just sort <laughs> yeah, of like, right. oh, it's going up. I should buy, <laughs> I which causes <laughs> the price to go up, which makes other people go, oh, it's going up. I should buy. So yeah. we are we are a very funny species, aren't we? And it's well, I,
1: and as investors, look, I, you know, I if I if I talk about behavioral finance too much, it's not enough because I honestly think for everything that we we, we talk about, and you and I talk very briefly off air. About you know the average fund tends to underperform the market, mm. and the average fund investor tends to underperform the average fund. Mm. And it's all behavioural. It's purely behavioural, right? Yeah. And you can think for all things we think we know, the funds themselves actually do better than the average fund investor because they chop and change and chase last year's winner. We'll get back to that later in the podcast. But mm. it is it is just it's just amazing that that kind of impact of of behavioural finance and, and what happens and what we do. Yeah. Speaking of which, speaking of markets going up, mate. One of the things that kind of I didn't even see coming I have to say we're pretty close to the market although you and I don't spend every day poring over the kind of you know market stats for its own sake because it's not very useful. No, so I was completely blindsided when I saw the headline the ASX at the end of August had had 11 straight months of market gains and that is the first time ever in recorded really history that we've had now I saw two numbers to be fair I saw one say 78 years and one say ever. I wouldn't be surprised if a little bit like quarterly GDP numbers, um, they were only available 78 years ago, so that's all we know. So it might just be that's... But even 78 years ago, mate, I'm not going to do the maths, but it's 1940-something. Um, 43, there you go. Uh, it's uh, it's a hell of a thing, right? And you can't, again, speaking of timing the market and COVID and everything else, if someone had said, hey, when do you reckon would have been the longest streak of market monthly gains in history? Who would have picked, oh, since COVID... <laughs> <laughs> like, yep. You know, it could have been oh, after the war or oh, during, the, during the go-go years of the late 80s or mm. something else, right? 11 straight months of gains in 2021 during COVID. Frankly, the last three months during lockdowns or big, big lockdowns, um, I wouldn't have expected it, mate. It was, it's one of those things that completely blew me away. Of course, there's been down weeks and down days during that. So it's not like there's been no falls for 11 months, but the monthly number, the end of
0: the last 11 months was higher than the end of the months before. It's a, it's a heck of a thing. It is, and it's not just the it's not just the consistency of monthly gains, but that's that's about a twenty five percent gain. Um, <laughs> that's right. In eleven months now, we talk yeah. sort of often that the average is, is sort of around ten percent mm-hmm. for a mm-hmm. year. Yep. Uh, interestingly enough, it's very rarely exactly ten percent, but it be up sixty <laughs> percent, down thirty. But the average sort of tends to, <laughs> right. to tends to sort of that's right. be that. So you know, it's, it's 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 sort of double what you would on average kind of expect. Mm-hmm. And here is what's also interesting. Let's go back to January twenty twenty when we're starting okay. to watch. We're watching the news. And there was some sort of disturbing stuff coming out of Wuhan Mm -hmm. and, you know, was it just a cold or something? You know, it was was just, you know, the market was at all-time highs then. Yeah, that's right. And then it dropped 30%. Yeah. And now we know it's going back up. But my point is, if you'd bought at the start of January 2020, Mm -hmm. you're Mm -hmm. still up about 11 12%. So, so even if you had, even incredible. if you were like, like you know, just the the unluckiest person in the world, think I'm just going to tip my entire fortune into the market at the top before one of the, the sharpest, uh, mm-hmm. steepest sort of corrections in in history, I will be okay within the space of about 18 months. Not okay, I, I would actually made a decent return in 18 months. It's it's mind blowing.
1: Can I can I almost just say that again, mate? Because I want to I want to double underline that. The, you know, we have plenty of people ask us from time to time on the podcast in our mailbag, which we'll have on Sunday. Um, hey, you know, I've got this money to spend. Should I invest it now or should I wait? Or what if the market's at all time high? Surely that's not the right time to invest. And, and you know, like... If we knew what was coming next, you would have said to someone, oh, no, you know what, in January last year, we said, now hold off, mate, wait till the 23rd of March and then plough the whole lot of the market, you're going to make a squillion dollars and you're going to thank me later. Yep, now, if yep. I had a crystal ball or a time machine, Obviously. by the way, that's how I know there's no <laughs> thing that's just into the time machine, mate, because if there was ever a time machine, someone's going to make a squillion dollars and they haven't yet, so I'm assuming there's sure not one. Yes. That's, anyway, different different tangent. Um, you know, Of course you would do that, but as you rightly say, even if, even if you're if you the unluckiest bastard in the world, you're still up 11 12% over... Twenty months now. That's a little bit less than the average yearly gain, but given the luck in in air quotes, does that include dividends? By the way, mate, is that, that no? That's that? no. That's just without yeah. dividends. So, so I probably another had, three or four on top. Yep, another yeah, you know.
0: three
1: or four. Yep. Uh, so bad. you're fifteen percent. That's not miles away from yeah. You know, in, in a year and a half, seventeen yep. divided by that's about ten percent. How about that? Yep. so you've actually got the market average over the last six to twenty months. Despite that, that's, that's you know, if we bang on about it a lot, then good. If if we if the message has got through so clearly that you're now like, can you please not talk about it? Then great. I don't care. It. I mean, I apologise mm-hmm. for frustrating you, but this is exactly why when you think about, oh, should I mess now? Yeah, okay, I know it. Ha- and people will say, I know what happened before, but but you know, but this time around, I mean, really, this time, like you know, maybe now's not the right time. I know last time mm-hmm. happened this way, mm-hmm. and we can't promise anything. We don't know what's happening next, but. It is what it is, mate. The other thing I will say, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but we said, you know, average ten percent. I pull up the Vanguard Index chart um, for the—they just released a month or so ago. We—I we, banged on about it on the on the podcast. I banged on about it on social media, everywhere I possibly could. Australian shares last thirty years, nine point seven percent per annum. Now, yes, it's very volatile across that period, as you rightly say, mate. The previous year was thirty percent. Before that, a uh, twenty-year number was eight point four percent. So, it will it will fluctuate around that number somewhere? Um, but just a really, really, really good reminder that that's kind of you know, it, it, there's no rules that says it has to be. Um, by the same token as was it Mark Twain said, history doesn't repeat but it rhymes. It rhymes. Um, yeah. uh, to, to to imagine, here's the thing. Here's what I don't get about, and I get the whole people want to be smarter than the average bear. Betting against history, I just reckon is about the dumbest bet you can make. And I, I don't if if, <laughs> if you're listening to this and feel like I'm talking to you, I apologize. Um, do you want to bet against history? Like like seriously? Like the markets on 10 percent of year ish for a century. You, you really want to say, you know what? I know I would have been wrong for the last 100 years, but in the 101st year, I'm going to be right. I'm going to finally get, you know, I just find it, I find it a really, really funny approach. I, mean, I don't blame anyone for doing what they need to do, but it is a hell of a thing.
0: Uh, it, it is. Uh, you know, I, was, I meant to, you just reminded me, um, I remember talking about that chart and a couple of days later, I saw another one. I think this right. was from Market Index and what they do it in a slightly different way. And they, they've basically got these little bands like negative 50 to negative 40, negative 40 to negative 30. All okay. the way up, and then you hit ten to twenty, and twenty to 30. so these are gain percentage total returns in a given year. Yeah, and, okay. And if in ten percent bands. Yeah, in ten yeah. percent bands. So if nineteen sixty nine, for example, it was it was twelve percent. So it, it, that little block uh, goes yeah. goes on that thing, and you have what um, statisticians out there will know what I'm talking about. Have this lovely normal distribution, this bell curve, mm, mm, mm. and you have this huge, massive tower between ten and twenty percent. You have two shoulders either side of that, uh, zero to 10%, 20 to 30%, and then it just sort of falls away yeah, after right. that. So you definitely, I mean, 1975 and 1983, the market was up more than 60%. <laughs> 2008, it was down more than 50%. <laughs> wow. 74, 73, 1930, down more than 20 These are just, uh, yep. calendar years, I believe. Um, but it just, again, it just, it just, what, that is not. That is not a bet I want to go against.
1: Exactly right. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. So yeah, just just worth um, just just worth a, a reminder as we as we talk about what's going on. And eleven straight months is great. Uh, by the way, again, some people are going to be listening to us saying eleven straight months was obviously time for a fall, maybe, <laughs> or maybe yeah, not. Maybe yeah. If you if you didn't predict the COVID fall, good luck picking the next one. Um, it's just it's just way 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 too hard. Also yeah. by the way, the Vanguard Index chart, mate, complete tangent. But I'm looking at they have a this is. A, just do yourself a favor, pause the podcast, go and download Vanguard Index Chart, do that, then come back. All right, you're back? Good. Yep. Um, so you need to. do. Just, just, so the, the, they have little stats at the top of things that happen, right? So they've got the 9-11 terrorist attacks. They've got the Bali bombing, Boxing Day tsunami, Gulf of Mexico oil spill, a whole lot of stuff. Facebook float was um, for all everyone cares. And, uh, and they've got RBA cuts interest rates six times from seven and a quarter to three percent. 2008, and 2009. Mm. I don't really have a point to make, other than man, that feels like a long time ago. Seven percent official cash rates. Now it's zero point two five. I, 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 don't know. It's, I, I, you know, if if you are if you are entering adulthood, if you're 22 now, and I'm trying to explain to you 2008 and seven and a half percent, or seven a quarter percent official interest rates. I don't reckon, I don't reckon it's even possible to grasp that, mate. Having having lived through it, I don't even know how I would possibly. You, you might intellectually understand it and, and accept it. I, I, it's just a weird idea, right? Seven and a quarter in 2008, 0.25, one quarter in 2021. I don't
0: know. I remember my old man talking about 18% home loan rates. Yes, exactly. Eight, exactly. You know, you just think, what? No way. How is that possible? But yeah, you know, it's yeah. funny. You know what I find funny about all these things is how quickly humans are so adaptive. Yeah. You know, the, you throw the most bizarre situation at us and we sort of mm. talk about it for a lot and then we just accept it. I mean, that, that's COVID, right? That's that's yeah, 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 COVID yeah. in a nutshell. Like we, these these really historic, major sort of mm, important mm, events, and you just you adapt and you get used to them very, very, very quickly. I'm going to say that's also a bad thing, though, mate. As you're saying, you end up with a good
1: story, which is how we get used to things and we kind of adapt and move on, and we're very adaptable is good, and it absolutely is on a human level. We need to be adaptable. And the problem. No, is I, I meant both, it in a bit of a negative. Okay, because yeah. I was going to say, yeah. So the other thing is we we accept the new normal so quickly that we actually forget the lessons of history. And maybe you have to, right? Maybe as a species, you can't hold on to the last thing that happened X years ago because we'd all be still in caves. You wouldn't have bothered... You know, the last lion attack, you'd you'd stay in the cave for 16 years, right? Just Mm. in case there's another one. Mm. So you kind of got to... I think there's an evolutionary benefit, I assume. I'm no evolutionary biologist, clearly. You're the science graduate here, and you told me. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it strikes me that we probably had to just to deal with it, like just to be able to get on with it. So I guess there's that. But I don't know. I just... I wonder
0: if there is some... um, it breeds I complacency. It, yeah. I think it breeds it complacency. I so I think that's very much the case with the second lockdowns. Yeah. Um,
1: you know, yes, sort of like yeah, the first right.
0: time round, I remember it was <laughs> yeah. I was on my phone all the time checking updates, checking numbers. Oh, like, right. holy crap, this is this yeah. is full on. What's going on? I'm scared. By the, the next, second yeah. time, it's like, no, nah, what a bugger. You know, and you sort of check it every now and again. It's just, it's just, mm-hmm. we, we just got used to it so yeah, much yeah. quicker. Yeah. And, and means, I think it's that's- really important as as a society. But it doesn't
1: do investors any favour accepting whatever just happened is the new normal and, and and pretending nothing else can change or
0: happen differently, right? Well, this is, I was it reminded, me, I saw something the other day which reminded me, and it was a chart of the US dollars. Um, in circulation that have been yes. created. Yeah. So during the during last year, the, the the U.S. Treasury added something. I forget the exact number. Something like they increased the money base by twenty five percent. Right. So take all the U.S. dollars that exist, yep. either in cash currency or in just monetary uh, electronic mm-hmm. currency, mm-hmm. and the the amount increased by 25%. Mm. That is unprecedented, right? Yeah, right? I remember reading at the time and it was all this inflation <laughs> right. and thi- and by the way it yeah. might it might, it still, might still be happen. true just yeah, because yeah. it didn't happen, you know, yeah. within the first 12 months <laughs> doesn't mean okay, well, looks like that's never ever going to happen now. But but it yeah. just it and I know I'm not trying to bring this up to go down that rabbit hole or to get oh, people you're sure. worried or anything like you're that. Sure. And I don't actually know if I have a firm view on that yeah. because it's yeah. very complicated. Mm-hmm. But my point is is that no one's talking about it anymore. Yeah. But yeah, nothing's right. changed. In fact, the bond buying <laughs> programs are still going on, and quantitative, yeah, ease, you yeah. know. So it's sort of like, okay, that's what we do. So zero yeah. interest rates and massive central bank borrowing and a massive expansion <laughs> of the balance. Okay, and now, yeah. and again, I'm not. I don't want to get into that into that um, <laughs> that, that ball of, of yarn. <laughs> but it is it is. Wow, we got yeah. used to that really quickly.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, mate. And and maybe maybe it's maybe it's twin uh, twin brother, twin sister, is the idea of fearing what might come next, right? So there is that. You know, the, the, remember the China hard landing, and then yes. there's gonna be the house price crash. Yeah. And then there's gonna be hyperinflation. Yeah. Then there's gonna be I can't remember. I mean, the Cypriot banks were gonna cause you know Brexit 2.0 or yep. Brexit 2.0 or whatever. Um, the Brexit itself was gonna destroy the European Union and wreck life as we know it. Brexit? Um, I
0: forgot all about Brexit. Could have happened a hundred years ago. Yeah, for all yeah, I know. yeah. You know exactly, it's exactly. Ancient it the, yeah. history. And it actually,
1: didn't happen in the end. But what? What? I'm mean, the the risk at the time. Like looking forward. Looking back at was like, oh whatever. Looking forward like, oh my God, this could change the world. We could go to hell. And you know yeah. what? Every very occasionally something does. Mm. To your point about COVID, I was one of those people absolutely who went, Hey, let's not overreact here. We've seen SARS, we've seen MERS. Um, if this is another one of those, then yeah, it kind of could be a big deal, but probably not going to be. Mm. Now, in the end, horribly, horribly, horribly wrong um, and, and did change course quickly as once the data came out. But I was,
0: I was well, absolutely I, 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 It's on. a credit to you, sir, to those who change their minds when the facts change. I, I've <laughs> got a higher regard. It's those that don't change their mind when the facts change that you have to worry about.
1: Well, and yeah, and that's the thing, right? And again, so to some degree, you know, we've had how many coronaviruses? A, a dozen maybe. And, and one is a massive, massive, massive deal. And- you know, I was probably late to the party because I was p- complacent about it possibly being the same as the others because others had been okay. I'm not still sure whether probabilistically, you know, <laughs> the next time we have a, a potential COVID, COVID, coronavirus variant at some future point, which may end up being like SARS or MERS, we will lose our collective yeah. stuff. Let me yeah. say stuff <laughs> um, because we're like, oh my god, here it comes again, and that's what I meant about like the last thing, right? It's mm-hmm. going to be like, you know, General the, fighting like, the last one. Yeah, totally mm-hmm. right, and that's okay. That's fine, and it is what it is. We'll get through it. Maybe maybe that is the point, but yeah, as you say, that that idea of getting used to things but also then over over-weighting the next thing hmm. um, one of them is always going to be right but a dozen 50 100 are going to be wrong and, and hmm. those i mean china hardly ever was selling chinese stocks and and you know getting out of dollars and then uh, you know the the remember the try going china were, china were a foreign currency do you remember that yes i do yeah and it's kind of you know, it's all like yeah. and they seem really big and existential and whatever and you just think man I, I don't know trying to trying to respond to all of those and again as i said if, I, if I'd if i worried about COVID up front, I might have jumped out of the market, saved myself a 38% fall. But if I jumped out about the China hard landing and the house price crashes and Grexit and everything else, I would have missed the the compound 9.7% a year that the ASX mm. has delivered. So, mm. it, yeah, just just being a little bit careful not to overemphasize, as you say. The, the adaptability is great for society. It, investing is kind of like the ultimate anti-evolutionary activity, right? You, yeah. you always need to find a way to say... I can't be the, the evolutionary creature that I've been designed to be if I'm going to succeed in investing. I need
0: to find a way to be slightly different. Yeah, yeah. You need you need the what do they the kids call it? You need some hacks. You need some bio hacks uh, to sort of change. <laughs> I love it. Change your own behaviour. I love it. And there then we've go. had some people in in uh, the mailbag hack. episode and stuff who've sent through, yes, through yes. some things that they do, which is yep. which is really great. And it's yeah, it's hard, it. but yeah, I <laughs> you got to do it, right?
1: You know what? All right, uh, let, so I think we I think we were starting to talk about the 11 straight months again. Four, four tensions, about. four tensions. About, about 50 minutes. Yeah, exactly. What's going on, <laughs> mate? I want to talk about Twiggy, Twiggy Forrest, Andrew Forrest. I mm. I have, I I want to say both that we have under and over um, valued Twiggy. I remember speaking of time and past, mate. There was a time. So you were probably on at the same time. Sky News Business back when that was a thing. We were talking about the fact that I vividly remember being on set. I don't know how many years ago, a lot of years ago, and. Twee had to go to New York to try and sort out a deal with his bankers to stop the company going broke. Do you remember that? Mm, mm, I do, yeah. And it yep. wasn't that many years ago. So, so this is – and the reason we talk about Twee now is he got – or he's going to get paid. Money hasn't in his bank account yet, but he's going to get paid two point four, not million, billion dollars in dividends alone. This is not the value of his shareholding. This is literally the cash that's going to go from the company to him personally into the bank account. I'll jump on a net bank and and you know type in your passwords see if your two point four billion dollars has arrived. I don't even know how you do that, um, but that's you know, can you imagine your bank stuff. Yes.
0: Well, what's interesting <laughs> about it is you often like you know when they recently when they were talking about Bezos and Musk and you know or yeah, how right. much like the the mega rich wealth increased um, yeah, yeah, yeah. during yeah. the the thing, yeah. uh, which is a whole other kettle of fish. But mm. um, the interesting thing there was that they're all sort of paper gains. This is yeah. cash. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, to- this yes, 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 yes. This, this isn't yeah. the value of my sh- which, which <laughs> is still real. Real. I'm not saying it's not, but there's there's something more tangible about your mm-hmm. bank account going up by that amount. What did Fortescue pay a $4 something dividend? Um, and I want to say, let's have a, I'll just have a quickly check. So it's actually a spectacular history. So the, the record dividend they ever paid in, I was provided this year was $1.76 in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> and then four dollars seventy six. Yeah, yeah. In twenty twenty one, ka What's he? Yeah. What's he going to do with all that cash?
1: Well, that's the thing, right? So I don't know what he's going to do with it. I imagine he's going to probably I don't know buy himself a bottle of champagne and uh, maybe a new car or fleet of cars or what do you do with a billion dollar? You know, you, we, you occasionally have the fantasy. What if I win Lotto? Now a mm. million dollars in Sydney you won't even buy a house these days. But you know, conceptually, mm. remember when a millionaire? Remember when a millionaire was like possibly impossible to think about oh, now? People buy like million dollar houses regularly. Yeah, because we're old. Um, you had to dress like the Monopoly guy if you had a million dollars. <laughs> maybe that's what Twiggy should do by himself. A, a, monocle there you go. Yeah. a monocle. There you go. He's a monocle. There you go. There's your answer, mate. Really, really cool. Um, so Twiggy, I, I don't know what he's going to do with it, but it is it is a hell of a thing. And again, you say that's in cash. So he's got to find something to do with the money. Uh, yeah. First class problem, to be fair. What I thought was interesting too, apart from that, which is just it's fun because it's fun, is Fortescue the company. Fortescue Metals, the third largest. I want to say maybe it's fourth largest. Third largest Australian iron or miner anyway, or it used to be. Maybe it's bigger anyway. It's big. It's big. Uh, and, and frankly, the other two, if they are bigger, are ginormous anyway. So being third in that company is no, no mean feat. Uh, Twiggy runs an iron ore miner, except I don't think I've heard him say the words iron ore in about 12 months, at least not publicly. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he has. The, the headlines are all about him trying to look for opportunities for green energy and hydrogen in particular. Mm. He's been travelling the world looking for renewable energy... Um, uh, renewable energy projects. He's in a bidding war right now as we record this. It may be resolved by the time it goes to air with BHP for a Canadian nickel miner. Mm. Um, uh, <laughs> for, for a company that was built only on iron ore, mate, they're doing a lot of work to not be an iron ore miner anymore, aren't they?
0: Yeah. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I, on one hand, I kind of think... Um, Wherever you feel as... We talked about this last week, right? Your your job is capital allocation. Wherever you feel as though you can get a good return, just because you may have made the bulk of it in iron ore doesn't mean you can go and can't flip it into, I don't know, a sheep farm or something, anything, right? As long as the return on capital is kind of there. But then the other point being is, is are you a bit outside your wheelhouse? You're 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 obviously a very competent miner. Does that translate into uh, battery production or renewable energy? I don't know. But I do like it. I do like the fact... Look, with, you know... A lot of a lot of these billionaires get a lot of slack for what slack for what for what they do, <laughs> yeah. sending themselves into space, and it's all pretty obscene. I'll, I'll admit, but yeah. Yeah. I will say that it, I'm glad that there's at least seems to be a reasonable amount of them that are going in this direction. Not necessarily for yeah. altruistic yeah. purposes, because they no, feel yeah. as though that's the future. I feel as yeah. though it's like with Musk and electric cars. You can say whatever you like about Elon, and there's a whole conversation we could have there. Um, <laughs> But he dragged the industry towards a better place, and yeah, exactly. and maybe the likes of Twiggy and others, sort of mega rich entrepreneurs around the world, sort of putting their capital there. It sort of adds as a bit of a beacon to hopefully drag us, drag the rest of us kicking. Yeah, it. Yeah. So yeah. I am kind of look. I am I'm, I'm no. I actually don't know much about the man, um, and I am no. I am mm-hmm. not necessarily a fan or against him or anything like that. But when I hear those stories, I kind of think, well, good on you, right? Like you, you could just buy a yacht, not an island, and do whatever the hell you like. But at least he's at least he's putting it in a place where, where it's it's probably going to be a net benefit to society, I hope. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. It's um, And, and again, as you say, I think that
1: the net benefit is probably tangential to the actual economic or financial yeah, incentive, which yeah. is, hey, the future's maybe where to be there. I, so, yeah, two things for me. One is where he's going to. The other is, frankly, where he's coming from, which is, you know, he, he's an eye on miner In theory, the company's got expertise there. And if they chose to, they can go build, dig, buy, uh, explore, develop – more iron ore mines, but they're choosing not to, right? So mm. I think the first thing I'd say is Twiggy's got $2.4 billion because the iron ore price finished the year at 220 US dollars a ton. It's mm. now 150 US dollars a ton, mm. and the law of supply and demand say it should be lower over time, assuming no cartel behavior or um, uh, impassable uh, you know, uh, demand, stripping uh, out supply just permanently, structurally for long periods of time, which mm-hmm. is possible. Mm-hmm. But in theory, it's so available if if you, know, if you had the view that China's demand would be higher for years to come, you'd go and add more supply that would push the price down. Uh, yeah. And so Twiggy, I think, to some degree, so moving out of iron ore, looking around and going, well, for all the places I could invest, more iron ore is probably not the answer. I think it's smart, by the way, but it's, it's Very just, smart. It's, 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 in, it's indicative, mate, because this is not a, is not a, a conglomerate miner with, that's been around for decades and centuries like BHP and Rio. No. You know, this, this, is a, this is a brand new iron ore specific only miner who was just doing iron ore mining, could have, you know plenty of other businesses just stick in their own wheelhouse. So, so Twiggy getting out of this or, or moving money elsewhere is, I think, should be seen as something of a an investment decision on behalf of Fortis. If you want to bet against Twiggy on that, go for it. Uh, I would be following his lead personally. And secondly, as you say, moving towards uh, where we're going, probably as a society, community, whatever. And again, I, I, we, we talk about it semi-regularly and I don't want it to, to overemphasise this for its own sake and we're not necessarily trying to push an ethical viewpoint. But you look at AGL trying to spin off its... Uh, good business and bad business, trying to effectively put the coal mines in a different entity. Oh, mm. uh, coal mines, sorry. Co- coal-fired generators in a different entity. Mm. Origin Energy, um, they turned off one of their coal-fired plants for the entire summer, mm. last or this summer just gone, uh, basically because they knew that, you know, renewables demand was going to be too high and they couldn't compete on price. Mm. So this will shut the whole thing down for months. Mm.
0: Um,
1: there, is a, there is, there is, you know, things are moving and it's important, I think, regardless of your ethical or, or, or kind of social um, conscience view, uh, whether you love it, hate it, whether you believe in it, don't believe in it, whatever, the world is moving, money is moving. Uh, as they always say, follow the money. That's the
0: journalist's creed. Uh, I think in this case, it's it's worth having a think about that. Can I just, uh, I, I, I couldn't Please. help myself. Um, in 2000, Fortescue Metal shares were one cent. <laughs> Go on. They're $20.33 oh. as I look yep. at my screen. So oh, that's, that's 10,000 into 20 million yep. something. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And uh, wait a sec, let, let, let me let me pick a bone with you, my friend. <laughs> go on. I've heard you say, it's a little yes. bit tongue in cheek, but I've heard you go say on. on multiple occasions that you yes. would never invest in a mining company. And no, I've never, not never. The, I've never said never. Well I haven't have, yet, and I, 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 prob- I probably wouldn't, but that's yes, on. <laughs> I would be very surprised if you did. Hey well, you know, untie that knot for me. Look at that. I mean I'd challenge you to find a better <laughs> twenty year return on the market, one cent to twenty bucks. Totally why, right, why totally wouldn't right. you do it?
1: The answer, of course, is the same reason why I wouldn't invest in dodgy biotechs, despite the fact CSL is one of our most valuable companies Mm. or despite the fact that it's possible at some point one new medical technology, uh, gene therapy, cancer drug treating business goes to the moon. Because the like winning lotto, and we use this example all the time, the fact that someone wins doesn't mean it's a good idea to play, statistically mm. speaking, right? Mm. And so, um, has Fortescue done well? Yeah, look, and this is that's what I meant about when I started talking about this. We don't give Twiggy enough credit, I don't think, as a country. Like, we know he's rich and we know he's done well, but to build from scratch, as you say, from a cent to 20 bucks, an iron ore miner of note, and as I said, you know, in, in a different universe, he goes to New York, the bankers say no, get stuffed, and Fortescue doesn't exist today. Mm. You know, they, they, they take the assets, they sell them off to BHP Rio and Vale and someone else and Twiggy is the bloke who, remember that guy who tried to build an Australian iron ore miner from scratch and failed? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's Twiggy Forrest. Yeah, he's he's now working for BHP as a, you know, a site manager at the <laughs> Pilbara or something. Yeah. Um, look, I'm sure Twiggy would have found somewhere else to make money, he's, he's that sort of guy. But you know what I mean? It's that, it's that kind of sliding doors time and I think... Yeah, absolutely. He's done incredibly, incredibly well. China's demand has, has been structurally growing. There was room and time and a opportunity well, for that. Mm. They've done a fantastic job running this business, mate. If you can I, – I always marvel at this. A tonne of iron ore – so imagine a tonne. Imagine visualising in your head a tonne of iron ore sitting in front of you. It's like half right? the size of a car is a block right. probably. Somewhere maybe even less. But yeah, a big chunk. That'll, that'll, that costs them to get out of the ground onto a ship. Somewhere between $15 and $20 dollars.
0: The logistics, logistics are
1: phenomenal. Mm. I can't buy a ton of firewood for less than three hundred bucks, and yet they can get out, they can mine, refine, and put on a ship a ton of iron for fifteen dollars. It is just the 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 work they've done there. Now it's it's, WA is very very geologically friendly. You don't have to dig very far to get to it. It's it there's a lot of it, so it it does um, rewards scale. But he's done. You know, he's he's literally looked at the big guys, a bit like the Afpa and the banks. Mm. He's looked at BHP Rio Vale, the, the South, African, uh, South African South American iron ore miner, and say, you know what? I can I can join. You. Maybe not even beat them there the gap, I can join you guys.
0: And do really, really well, and he has, and it's mm. just amazing. It really is really, really cool story. It is, and it's going to sound critical. I don't mean it to be, but the, I think one of the things that we all overlook is mm. the role of luck as well. So yeah, totally. there's totally, that. Yeah. There's the history of silent evidence, <clears throat> which is for all of the great Thomas Edisons and geniuses <laughs> of the world that never yep. were. Not because of their ability, um, but just through the yeah. luck of their circumstances. So, yep. so Twiggy's gone about all of this as China is exploding, as the global demand for iron ore is exploding. Mm-hmm. Like all of all of the things, were in the right place now. There's a million other iron ore miners that we don't talk about. So, so <laughs> you know, they had the right timing as well. But yeah. I remember reading a, a fascinating study once when they were looking at some of the best performing companies over long periods of time. And they all had really competent CEOs and smart yeah. people running yeah. them and stuff, but but when they tried to tease apart all the various factors, <laughs> it was being in the right place at the yeah. right time that really yeah. helped. So there was yeah. what what was it in Australia? We had remember QuickFlix was on listed yes, on the ASX? I do, absolutely do. Now their whole proposition was that get this you could stream a movie <laughs> or a TV show <laughs> That's right. over the internet. <laughs> That's right. That's and right. it was whoa. And it yeah. just anyway, crashed and burned. Yeah. And if anyone yeah. ever had shares in that, you'll know what I'm talking about. Now yes, what did sure. they have a bad product, or no, they were just too mm-hmm. early. They just mm-hmm. we didn't have the bandwidths yeah, available. Yeah, correct, they didn't. Correct. Do you know what I mean? And so it's sort of like yeah, yeah. if if the people who did Quickflix just happen to have started five mm-hmm. years later, or the, yes. you, you tweak the the settings on the yes. on the simulator a little bit, and they are they are today, you know, in the ASX top twenty, mm-hmm. something like that. So. Yeah. I don't know what my point is. My point, I guess my I'm not trying to take anything away from Twiggy. It's just it's just that, you know, yes. yeah, th- no, for sure, th- time, there is a time and a place for, yep. for certain entities and, and people yep. and, and and good luck to them if they can capitalize on it. But let's let's not lionize them too much that we are we are all a product of our circumstance to some degree.
1: I think I think that's right. I think I, I put that in the in the um, so I've got the, a couple of categories for, for famous and successful people, successful people generally, is there's sufficient, um, sorry, there's there's necessary but not sufficient. Mm. And that category is hard work. Right? Someone says, "I get up at four o'clock every morning. I work really, really hard." So like, yeah, so does the the no, bloke yeah. down the street working two jobs. Um, yep. You have, know, working yep. just as hard as you. Yep. No, not that it's not they're wrong. It's just it's not enough. You, no. you can't do it without it. You can't you can't work three hours a day and be twiggy. It doesn't happen. Mm. So I'm not saying I'm not saying it doesn't matter. What I'm saying is it's not enough in and of itself. And it's like, to your, your point about luck, that's exactly it, right? It's those preconditions that just despite you know there's 15 people out there trying to build mine all mine, and Twiggy makes it. Yep. And that does not, not take anything away from him at all. As you said, he absolutely deserves every, every sure, success. But sure. there are plenty of people out there who were like, man, I had the same idea. I tried the same thing. Like your Quickflix example. Mm. Um, in another universe, Netflix also went broke because it was too early. Yeah, It just yeah. happens to be one of the most valuable companies in the world because it absolutely got it right. Steve Jobs is the same, right? The iPhone doesn't exist mm. three years earlier. Mm. It literally, the, the technology doesn't exist. You can't literally use an iPhone. I had to you know, talk, about, talk about four runs of stuff. I had a an O2, I had a Palm Pilot back in the day, of course. And then it, then it was, that you had to synchronise that with a with a cable on your computer. Uh, it was cool, mate. I was, I God, cool, we were banging cool. rocks together, weren't oh, we? I love that. So that, that was, I felt so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had this little thing called an XDA, which is a little tiny screen with a stylus that you could access the internet through, like minus 1G. It was like, and I tried to access the SMH I used my data in a day. And it was text only or whatever. No, yeah. it, was, it had a screen but it was just, it was so stupidly slow that it oh, yeah, not you know, this is 2009
0: maybe. something. Like
1: okay, that. okay, okay, okay. Um, eight maybe. Uh, so I had one of those um, and, and it, when I was, I saw I was in the UK for a year uh, about a dozen years ago or so, uh, 15 years ago. And uh, and we I, I subscribed to Love Film, which was exactly the same thing you're talking about. It was a movie streaming service. <laughs> and it would glitch and it was slow, it was like, but it was still cool. It was like, oh mate, this is awesome. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where yeah, they've they've gone by the wayside and QuickFlix is gone. Netflix is the winner. In a different universe, someone else Blockbuster says that's a good idea. We should do that. And the whole thing is different, right? Because Netflix never gets up and running because Blockbuster brings its heft to the game, becomes the movie streaming rental business of note and Netflix, the little would-be possible competitor never gets off the ground. And it's just, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you have to be good, you have to be smart, you have to work hard, and I just say, you've got to be bloody lucky because that's just the way those things go. Can I, I know we're, we are on five tangents in here, but let me just draw a quick line back to <laughs> Mate, at some point, at some point if we go far enough away on the tangents, it's actually becomes not a tangent anymore, which so that's I figured the longer we talk about it, the more it seems like the point we were trying to make. So let's go with it. But bring it back to investing for me.
0: Well, this, this phenomena that we're talking about, this is, <laughs> this is the dark side for me, very strong bull runs on the market. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyone who started, who has never invested before, who just happened to start in the last 18 months has made a fortune. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, I've got to word myself carefully here because it's going to sound <laughs> critical, but it's just sort of like you could have bought any old rubbish more or less yeah. and you've done incredibly well. I think it's, I think it's the opposite experience you want as a new investor. Um, and I speak for someone who had that experience as a young investor <laughs> when well, I started investing in the tech yeah. boom. Yeah. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. yeah. I was Warren Buffett. I mean, well, oh, screw Warren Buffett. I was better than him. I mean, <laughs> exactly. I was, you know, what did he get? 20% per year for whatever, yeah. 40 years or so. I I was doing much better than that. But it just, it teaches, it teaches <laughs> yep, the wrong yep, lessons yep. is, is yes. my way. Yes.
1: yes. I yes. think yes.
0: this is going to, it's like the, the tough medicine for investors, early investors is you want to start mm. investing mm. and be wiped out or not, you know, close to it. <laughs> when mm. you're dealing with, relatively small amounts of money and when you're mm. relatively new to it because that teaches that if you can pick yourself up and dust yourself off you yep. approach it with much more respect uh and 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 with much more of a risk aware sort of lens on as opposed mm-hmm. to the person who just logs onto their smartphone presses a button and then makes fifty thousand dollars in the next three just like, it teaches the exact wrong lesson can, so can i can say bitcoin right now <laughs> NFTs or something. Well, anything, anything
1: like yeah, that. Yeah. So it just. I'm not having to you, by the way. I'm, I'm more making them, but the people who've made money on Bitcoin now, some of them are genuinely thoughtful investors who are buying it for the right reasons, like you. And I don't know if you're going to be right necessarily. I don't agree with your purchase necessarily. One of us is going to be right, one's going to be wrong. But you made it, you know, it's, it's the bloke who. You know, heard from his 18 year old cousin that this Bitcoin thing might be cool you should buy some yeah. buys it buys it 5-10 years ago and goes haha I just made a million dollars I'm a genius like,
0: it doesn't <laughs> work it does, well, so I, I would say this so I'm up I'm up on my Bitcoin mm-hmm. and it's just like, just, but am I, real, am I does that mean I'm right well not really I mean so mm-hmm. far it just means I'm lucky yes. Yeah, exactly that's, that's right that's what it means and yes. I think that's yes. that it's, it's understanding when whether yes. it's crypto or shares or what property or whatever it's, it's about having mm-hmm. a look back and just sort of saying well okay I've done well so far on this investment yeah. what, what did I what did I foresee that has come to pass that sort of or, mm-hmm. or was I Johnny on the spot um, yeah. so far and that's fine I mean take enjoy the enjoy the wins when they come by all means goodness gracious but just don't don't learn the wrong lessons I suppose is what I'm saying
1: mate learning the wrong lessons is my the one thing I'll probably say more to the team than anything is yeah. just be careful winners or losers right Yeah. Um, Quickflix went broke Netflix won which lesson do you want to learn mm. you know and it's really really important right yeah. the, 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 the lesson wasn't don't invest in video streaming or video streaming is stupid or it was just literally time, scale, speeds, didn't work. And it was, it was, you know, right place, right time. Equally, if you lose money on something, mm. you know, learning the wrong lessons, if you, if you if your strategy leads you to pick after pay and, I don't know, get swift, pick a name from the past. Uh, and, and realistically, reasonably, you've done both of those things through the exactly the same investing approach because you wanted big outsized potential winners, mm. you got afterpay spectacularly right, gets spectacularly wrong. If the lesson you learn is, I won't do that ever again. I don't want to lose money on get Swift, mm. You've missed a what, 100 bag, a 50 bag on, on afterpay in the mm. process. And so yeah. it's just really, really important to, uh, that mate. honestly, if, if, there's, if there's ever a book in me at some point, learning the wrong lesson is going to be a, a, its own chapter because it literally is. Again, we're talking about psychology, right? It's really, mm. really, really, really important. Don't mm. assume just because you win, you were smart. Don't assume just because you lose, you were, you were dumb or, or you mm. made a mistake. Mm. It may well be that the very strategy that delivers... Say football teams, right? There are, you, know, you pick a player who can't tackle. You let in a try every week. Mm. But if he scores five himself, then you know what? <laughs> is, yes. is, that, is that a player worth having or not? Of course it is. Yeah, just yeah. because he can't tackle doesn't mean he's not worth picking. He yeah. may not be, by the way, if he doesn't, if he doesn't score any t- tries. Mm. Um, but again, learning the right lesson. Getting, getting the strategy right, roughly right. Overall, rather than focusing on the individual position wins or loss, I think is probably the, the key one for
0: me. I think, I think so. So that, that that for me has really been the 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 lesson of the last ten years yeah. for me is it's it's been yeah, yeah. it's I just tend to focus much more on process than outcome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you measure the the success of the process with the outcome. <laughs> you can't you can't ignore the outcome, but it's more about mm-hmm. what it's, mm-hmm. it's about refining the process and knowing that even a really really great process is is not going to be perfect, right? So yeah, it's correct. you know. Um, yeah, but you get, you, you, you can actually, you can, what I actually, one thing I was I was quite proud of as well, I made, I made a bit of a loss on a, on a particular company in a, in a mm. certain sector, mm. but then made another one in the same kind of space and did much better out of it because, nice. and it could have been easy to sort of say, oh, that was, that you just don't invest in that sector or yeah. something. Yeah. But, but it's about being really honest with yourself and saying, what did I not see? Or was I just unlucky? Mm. And here's another opportunity. Should I do it again? And, and just, it, it's hard to do. But that, that is your point is if you can really objectively look backwards and sort of say, what did I get right? What did I get wrong? And what needs to change? Totally. Sometimes it won't be anything. Maybe it's just like you got unlucky the first time around. Um, yep. Yeah, exactly oh, right. Endlessly fascinating. And even, even yeah, to your point, it's like it's like risks in investing, right? When, when we
1: do a recommendation, we always have a risk section. And I think I've said this before, but it's worth repeating. There are... Things that could go wrong with every investment, by definition, because yeah. if you're looking for a hundred percent success rate, you're going to be in cash and you're going to make half a percent a year. And if that's your thing, good luck. But you're not going to make any money doing it. You might, you might possibly keep up with inflation if you're lucky. Um, the 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 you know the reality of investing is, is just exactly that. You, you're going to have to if you if you want better returns than average, you're going to you're going to come with wins and losses. That mm. that is just the story of. Of investing and, and trying to get that roughly right. Um, the guys who, who bought Facebook in the VC might have lost money in, you know, I don't know if other investments, mm. but they made money overall because they got the strategy right. They backed the strategy and went with it. Um, and, and as you say, the, the role of luck, you know, was that one you got wrong because bad process, bad luck? Neither, both, mm. you know, maybe, mm. yeah, sure. Um, equally, the one you got right could similarly be the same thing. It's just a matter of overall, am I getting the, the process roughly right if, if my process leads to me losing money on five companies but making a 10-bagger on the other one, I should do that every single day. It's probably day. a good process. Every yeah. single day. Yep. Um, now, yeah. Now, again, the, the, the winner could be luck. So you've got to make sure it is a good process and you can yeah. do it over time. It's repeatable, all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, g- stopping doing something because you make a loss at it. Um, and you, got, you, you can not make a loss every time, right? But you've got to stick with the process. Again, it, you... <laughs> won't Why Why not overdo it. You've got to be careful not to also assume that every bit of bad luck is just, oh, well, of course, I'm, my process must be right. Yeah. That's just bad luck. And, you know, if you have bad luck seven or eight times in a row, yeah, probably bad process. Do you know what you <laughs> so is really upsets me? Um, is,
0: is, is is it's not if I've bought something and it doesn't work out. And it's not just, oh, just unlucky short-term volatility. I mean, like, you know, a couple of years have gone by. Yeah, <laughs> you got annoying. this. Yeah. Uh, you, you got this one definitively wrong. <laughs> What yeah. worries me is when it goes wrong for reasons that were totally unforeseen. So yeah, right. what I like to do is before I buy anything is I like yeah. to sort of put the other hat on and go, okay, just as an exercise yeah. here, what can go wrong? Yeah. What, 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 if, this is, if this is not going to work out, mm-hmm. what are the likely risks? And, and if yeah. those risks happen, what, what, what is the likely um, result of that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that way, if it doesn't work out, I mean, it's still not great. But again, that's part of investing. But it's also yeah. to sort of say, well, I actually already thought about what would happen in this situation, <laughs> and I already thought that this would be yeah. enough for me to get out, or I already thought yeah. that maybe actually this would this wouldn't represent enough of a, a thesis busting. You, you you prethink it all. Um, it one, it helps make sure you react properly in the heat of the moment when when things are moving around a lot and it's very scary. You've you've premeditated on it, but also yeah. you've just seen it. It hasn't come as a surprise when when something goes down because oh my god, I didn't even know that was a possibility. That's that's when you know that there's a hole in your process, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you and you need to be a bit more thorough with it. But um, Exactly. Yeah, anyway. No, very, what what were ta- we talking about again? Um
1: I think I said good morning and we followed. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah something like
0: that. <laughs> Motley full Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at full.comau forward slash listener. Mate, t- speaking of learning
1: lessons, let's let's go back and, and look at the last month. Uh, we're now a few days out, so that gives us some little perspective. But uh, I think we're probably still still dealing with the the ringing in the ears from earnings season. Um, a general question and answer however you want. If you think about earnings season and the way things went, um, what, what kind of what what did you take from it? Are there are there individual companies, big themes, specific lessons, insights? Um, just you know, if I give you give you the floor and say, tell me about earnings season. What what kind of comes to mind? Yeah, it's,
0: that's a really good question. It, it, it's int- I've heard that being put to a lot of other people on Osbys and other places. It's very interesting that we all, I guess, we're all living in our, our own little spheres. And people, the, <laughs> the, the reactions from some people are a bit. Oh, that's yeah, so I didn't true. Think of it? That. that is like, so true. That's such an important point. If you yes, happen to be yes. this kind of investor in this kind of space, you you probably had a very different experience to others. So <laughs> so when the answer to that question, I'll just preface it by saying it's probably a very personal situation. Just by virtue of the stocks yes. that I happen to hold and happen to follow in and the rest Great of it. Great point, mate. Great point. Um, but I would say that mm. it was interesting. I guess this isn't unique to this earnings season, um, but Jesus it was interesting. Is there anything that was painted mm. with a growth brush came anywhere short, <laughs> even a little bit yeah. of expectations, yeah. how yeah. brutal the market punishment could be uh-huh. and yeah. on the flip side of that any company that gave a bit of a whiff <laughs> of actually we're yeah. going okay yeah. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. the market just piled in it just seemed yes. like the moves were really exaggerated I mean look at, look at WiseTech look at Appen the AI yeah. data trainer yeah, yeah. stuff you know their shares just fell off a cliff mm-hmm. on the numbers that ostensibly by themselves weren't you know so there was there were these really big moves and I, for mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. it was a good reminder because we've had this lesson a few times in recent years, is that if you're going to be a growth investor in these stocks that are trading at extremely high multiples, but not necessarily yeah. crazy, maybe yeah. perfectly rational, but nevertheless, yes. very, very high multiples, it's that you, your business doesn't have to do badly for you to get wiped mm-hmm. out. In fact, it just might miss... It, it, the market just might shift ever so imperceptibly. It's ex- expectations for future growth, and when you're on a PE of 200, <laughs> <it doesn't> take, <laughs> you can still be on a PE of 100. You know, yeah, the next totally, day, exactly. but your right. shares have halved. So that's I don't know. What, 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 did, what did you? Um, what were your observations with with reporting season? <sighs> so a couple of things, I suppose,
1: man. I think you're right about different. If, so you know, I. So I'm going to just pick up your point quickly. The fact that everyone's got different perspectives is really why it's worth listening to a wide range of sources of information, mm. right? Yeah. Just because you might learn something from somebody. Don't listen, don't take it all in. Don't assume everyone's right. Don't assume everyone's wrong. Um, be careful who you listen to in, in one way because after that, they might say, and therefore you should do X and that can be dangerous if yeah. their investing isn't maybe up to scratch or maybe the style you want to pursue, if I'm polite. Um, it's So there's that. I think in terms of the... Lessons learned a couple of things. I think it was actually fewer surprises. I want to, despite your point, maybe this is just different perspectives. There were fewer big moves than I think I remember in the last couple of earning seasons. So there were some, but do you remember February felt to me like it was all over the place. Did you? Mm. Did you it was like lots of 30 percent swings in both directions, like yeah. lots and lots yeah. and lots of them. Yeah, this time around, there were a few, as you say. Um, the high flyers are disappointed, slightly got smashed. The underperformers who who <laughs> who simply didn't underperform quite as much actually really well. Um so there's there's that kind of there's that kind of general view, um, uh, but I think overall it was it was actually less volatile than I thought. Particularly coming out of a COVID year, um, many many companies did well. Earnings were generally pretty good. So there's that. We know that if you look at the averages, the miners added a lot of value. In fact, mm, if you separate mm. out the miners, there's an argument. I think I think the market might have actually profit wise might have been down, but over included the miners was up, something like that. So they had a they had a meaningful impact. So it's worth thinking about that. Mm. Um, Economy wise, really, really stark that the retailers all, almost all, delivered really, really strong results, but almost all had really weak um, first six, seven, eight weeks of trading. Mm. So JB Hi Fi, stonking result, profit up 60% or something, mm. I don't remember now, mm. but their sales for the first six weeks were down 15% year on year. Mm. Um, plenty of others like that. Uh, super Retail, I think, was also negative. Uh, there were a few out there. That, so it was kind of, there was this really clear. Theme and it fits into the GDP numbers, and no, no one's surprising. We talked about the the June quarter, which finished on June thirty. So these are to some degree current quarter GDP numbers and and current quarter um, sales numbers from those retailers. But there was a really strong sense that both because we're locked down and because last year June July August was so strong, because we we're coming out of lockdown then. So the kind of you know it's we're not, we're not cycling like for like. Mm. Um, big big deal, big difference mm. there. So that that was interesting to me. Um, I. Yeah, I think, I think broadly speaking, most companies see the best way to get most companies right this year. Mm. Uh, maybe, maybe that was the biggest takeaway. Mm. after the last few years of variable outcomes, that's probably the thing that struck me most. Mm. Interesting. Anything else from you?
0: No, no. Um, <clears throat> I, 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 one other thing, I guess, I, mm. this comes up uh, fairly often is that. I'll see a comment on Strawman or somewhere else which just like, Hey, this seems like good results. Why did the share price do X or how come the shares are only trading on this given that they're doing really well. And a really mm. nice example, just to borrow from what we were talking about before is Fortescue metals. So mm-hmm. if I look up, I'm on Comsec and I look up Fortescue metals, Oh, a dividend yield of 20%. No, that, I don't know. That seems like an awesome deal. Um, and 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 other times you've seen you know companies that that I uh, uh, well, i was trying to think I talked about an Osbys our mining company it was it had record profits blah blah, blah and it was on a P of five. And yeah, people are rightly asking, why? I mean, look at how these guys are performing. Why is the market missing you? Why is it prepared to pay 200 earnings for something, or sales for something over here that's virtually nothing at this point? And this other business over here is just making it rain. Mm-hmm. And are you telling me I can buy Fortescue Metals shares and get a <laughs> yeah, 20% yes, dividend right. yield? And, yes, yes, yes. You know? Um, so I guess, I guess it's it's just a very good reminder to me that the market isn't as silly as we always like to make out here. The market being perfectly rational here and looking yes, through yes, to the yes. future. It's like, well... They may have paid out four seventy six this year. They ain't going to do it again <laughs> next year. Um, yeah,
1: that's a really good point. Retail's the same, actually. Retail's stupid cheap. So, so, Retail's retail the
0: year? other example. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And they all look. Che- the peers just all look low. And you look at the business, like, wait a sec, we're growing at double digit rates here. And it's just, it. it I mean, that's the, that's that's the potential opportunity if you think actually they can continue to do mm. that. They are. They are stonkingly cheap if they can continue. But that. There, yeah. there, my friend, is, the, is the, the nub of the question that you need to
1: really resolve. <laughs> and I think that's the most interesting thing for me for earnings season. It's actually not earnings season, it's what next. Mm. As investors, mm. I think I said this six months ago and it remains true. Um, I haven't been through a less certain time, investing wise. Mm. If you look at any other recession where not much has, you No know, recessions, you get this really bad drop mm. and then eventually you get a recovery. And that's kind of easy to see through, at least if you're a long term lens and you've been around for a while. Mm. I can look at a retailer who suffers during a recession and go, you know what, that'll be okay. You know, unless they go broke, and you've got to be careful of that, mm. unless they go broke, things will improve. And when they improve, they'll go back to some sort of normalcy. And if I can buy, if I can take advantage of the market's current pessimism and buy cheap because it's going to go back to normal, mm. I'll fill my boots with that stuff. That's just, that's just like, that's money for gold, money for jam. Christmas, yep. Yeah. The problem with this current, current circumstance is that the past and the future are stupid, stupid weird. Mm. So we're looking back at a year where retailers went through the roof. Right, because firstly, people were, were locked down in late, the year before last, so we're getting a bit weird now, but late 2020, so April, May, June, fiscal 2020. Mm. Um, so the numbers there were lower than they would have been. They all went shopping in July, August, September of mm. last year because they got back out of lockdown. And by the way, people discovered online shopping. So mm. things went through the roof. The question I asked this time is, hang on, well, we're in lockdown. So, okay, that's, that's, a, that's a depressing factor in terms of depressing future retail activity. But- we're also cycling on a year that was arguably higher than normal. Mm. So, which PE do you use? What what earnings do you try and look at? How do you, you know, how do you work out what's going to happen just in the economy itself and, and those retailers? Mm. Plus, then work out how much of last year's numbers were, were were just business usual. How much were artificially inflated? And it's really again, these businesses will go back to normal or mostly normal. I've got an exception in a second. They'll go back to normal. But you know, how do you price that? How, how yeah. do you price what normal is? How long do they take to get back there? How much do you pay for that? This is that's more unusual than ever because of those weird. So now we're kind of in the middle of a recession, whether it's cyclical or not. But we've come off an unusually high period, not like just normal into recession and back to normal. Mm. We've gone normal, then blowout, then recession. Mm. It's like, what's next? How fast does it come back? What what level of profitability? I'll throw on top of that, mate, the online change. Yeah. So we know that online penetration went from about fifteen percent of the population to about thirty percent of the population, thirty-three percent, massive in in the space of a month. Mm. Now, again, think about post-COVID. Some of us go back to the shops. We'll probably go back to the shops in some to some degree, but how much of that happens? Mm. How many new habits have we learned? Which one of those do we give up and go, oh, thank God I don't have to buy online again. I'm going straight back to Suzanne Gray or mm. Bunnings or wherever. Mm. Or how much of that do we go, oh, thank God I've learned all the shop online. This is too easy. I could go back to the shops. I might go back for a social visit and grab a coffee with a girlfriend or or you know, a couple of mm. mates. Um, but man, I'm happy to buy shop online. And, and so it's a really, really mixed up world. I find it very
0: difficult to... With a lot of confidence, estimate some sort of normal. Yeah, and the structural change underway is not so. It's not just our consumer behaviour, but it's Mm -hmm. also the the infrastructure set up to to deliver on all of that has been rapidly expanded as well as companies have all struggled to oh god we can't open up our shops let's <laughs> let's build out our retail so in terms of yeah. the back-end logistics of so this whole network yeah. um shared third party warehousing trucks all this kind of stuff is that's that's the silent thing that i don't mm-hmm. think a lot of us appreciate we, we take for granted that you press a mm. few buttons on your phone and then the next day something arrives but i mean think again you talk about moving a ton of iron ore, you know mm. halfway yeah. across australia the <laughs> exactly. you know shipping yeah. 4 million hair trimmers yes. across australia in 2 days to you know 2000 mm-hmm. different addresses or whatever that that is also massively impressive <laughs> And and as so as as everyone's rapidly invested mm-hmm. into all of that, so not only are we more used to doing it, but the system is mm-hmm. more capable of doing it. That that is that is going to it's going to be a very positive feedback loop, yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. as well. So that is that is cyclical changes. Yeah, okay, whatever. As you say, you can look <laughs> through these things. The structural change that is for me the fascinating thing. That frankly, my friend, is where the real fortunes are made on the share market. Is, as far as I'm concerned, it's it's those mm-hmm. businesses that that are at, at, at the forefront of these changes. And yeah. again, as we said before, yeah, smart people run well, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but they've just got this ridiculous mm-hmm. wind at their back. Um, yeah, I, I find it very... I, I haven't got any retailers at all in my portfolio. I think there's a couple that look really interesting. I just... I, I It's for that right. exact reason I've stayed away. It's just I, there's too many possible futures.
1: <laughs> I think that's probably right. Mate, let's um let's finish off with just... a. Uh, an observation, a thought, maybe some thoughts. I've got some thoughts. I'll ask for your thoughts as well. Uh, There's a report out this week from APRA that 13 super funds had failed their test. And this is the new, I think it was called Your Super, Your Something. We've got, we've got a lot of the government taglines. Everything's got to have a tagline these days. The idea of basically making sure that super funds are accountable for their results and to their members mm. and that any significant underperformance is basically dealt with. Um, either the super funds lift their game or they close down, get out. And, and frankly, in, in what's a little bit, I reckon, a slightly over the top, I don't really mind it, I guess, but they've actually forced by APRA to send a form letter to their members saying, <laughs> essentially, we suck. Uh, you probably shouldn't look at putting your money somewhere else. I, I, I know, brutal, right? Um, now, I, I, Super has become stupidly political, which is ridiculous, like completely freaking ridiculous. Mm. Um, super, super, really. It's, it's a financial thing, right? So a, it, the politics of it is beyond me. Um, I saw an article on the AFR the other day uh, saying that super fund, industry super funds had an advantage because they had some sort of compulsory contributions because there was a stitch up with the unions or something, and that was why they're doing better than retail funds. <laughs> and it's like, guys, come on. It, <laughs> come you know, on. Like, uh, I know, it's a long bow, man. You, you'd have to draw it back about a kilometre <laughs> and a half to, to pull that story. That and wasn't, wasn't that great? <laughs> they got an advantage. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Um, so the, 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 no, it's, not, it's not the massive fees. Anyway, no, um, move on. So. Uh, yes, the, the the government has made them do this. I don't mind the concept, right? No one wants underperforming funds. Mm. And this is one of those things where, to my mind at least, common sense says, well, of course, if a fund is dramatically underperforming for any long period of time, then of course they should be kicked out. Of course the investment manager should be you know, had a good hard look at. We as individuals all, all you know change our investments based on what we think is going to happen and underperformance is bad and super funds and, and managed funds go to business for underperformance. Mm. Conceptually, that's okay, right? Yeah. I have an issue with it. I got to say, and this is I, like I'm, I'm, I'm a Pat Malone here, pretty much across the board. Even the, even the choice. Uh, so Choice Australia have this kind of superannuation kind of subsidiary or kind of brand or whatever they're Super Consumers Australia they're called. And even these guys are in favour of this thing. And mm. and these, I love Choice. They're great. But I, it just, you know what really really concerns me is not that the, I don't care about the underperformance. Like it doesn't worry me. I have no dog in the fight. We don't. Have anything to do with superannuation anyway, at the multi full other than people invest in their own super So I don't really care either way. But the whole idea of like we know, you know the old, the old tagline, past performance is no guarantee of future yep. returns. That everyone's got to put on their stuff. We know that people lose money by chasing, I mentioned at the top, the average fund investor is, does worse than the average fund. You think, how is that possible? Mm. And it's because they keep chopping and changing, chasing last year's winner. Mm. Now in theory that's also because they're getting out of last year's losers. And I don't, again, like I don't mind people going for the best outcome they can possibly achieve. Of course they should. What worries me is I th- I feel like the government and maybe even some of the, the commentators and, and consumer groups have kind of fallen for this idea that as long as you stay as long as you stay with the historical underperformers, you'll do better, mm. and I just think I don't know you know do you mention Buffett earlier during during the during the the ninety nine tech boom and then subsequent crash Buffett underperformed the market massively, mm. I mean if Buffett was a super fund in nineteen ninety nine he would have been forced to send his investors a letter from APRA saying, yeah, I suck. You probably should go and invest your money somewhere else. Mm. And I just, you know, like I, I get the intent and I, I get the, I just wonder who's making the decisions and all they're really encouraging super funds to do is, is index hug yep. so you don't get caught out. And I just don't know if that's paying fees to, to hug the index feels like almost the very worst possible outcome,
0: doesn't it, yeah. overall? I don't know. Well, but- I, well, I think that's where the focus should be is on the fees. I mean, that's yeah. that's the reason for the big part. The, the lion's share of the underperformance is is due to that. Yep. But yeah, you're right. There's, there's all kinds of studies, heaps. This you won't find. There's no shortage of studies and academic insight into into this phenomena. And it's actually true whether you're talking about individual investors or funds or whatever. But the ones that have the best alpha, to use the lingo, mm-hmm. the best outperformance, yes. outperformance, over 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 time, <laughs> often have the most variable returns and can yeah. and can often suffer through long periods of underperformance. Yeah, um, some really great investors I follow. They've had shocking years for ages. You know, particularly if you're in the value school yep. of camp. Yeah, right, Values yes, value exactly. school of thought. Um, yeah. Uh, are they bad investors? Yep. Well, no, not really. Um, yep. Will we'll, do I expect their long term average to be very respectable? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Have the last three years mm-hmm. been great? Not really. Um, but but again, under your under under the model that's sort of happening here is that well they'll be forced to sell out potentially of mm-hmm. these guys. Well, mm-hmm. maybe it's the maybe now is their best time to sort of get in. So it's sort of it's one of these. It's like so much legislation and regulation in this space. It all comes from a good place, and it all comes. Because there's something that's happened that people are trying to fix. It's just that I think the way of trying to fix it isn't isn't been hasn't been thought through that well.
1: Yeah, I I, I gotta say, mate, in superannuation in particular, for all of the and this is what I think gets political very quickly. The only one, well, not the only advice, if I was in charge of APRA or ASIC tomorrow, I wouldn't be because the treasurer doesn't love me, and that's okay. <laughs> um, not no, not as the treasurer, by the way. Um, I would simply say lower your fees. Yeah. You want, you want to publish a list of, list of funds? Publish a list of funds with the highest fees. Mm, that's, right. that's the only... And say, yeah. people, you know, overall, over 40 years of investing, if you're, if you're 25 and you're going to have your super of, you know, money in your super for 40 years, the biggest determinant of outcomes over that period of time at a market level... And, be, and remember, you know, I don't mind paying fees for outperformance, right? I'm happy to do that. If, if I can find a fund that's going to charge me 2%, but give me a 48% return a year, I'll do that every day mm. of the year. But over, for, for an entire market of people, literally the entire country who all have super and every fund, which by definition makes up the sum total of super, the single biggest thing that for it to improve the national average return of superannuation is don't pay fees or pay, pay the lowest fees possible, right? Mm-hmm. So if I was APRA ASIC, I'm like, you know what? For all this historical performance stuff, yeah, we probably need to get rid of the charlatans and maybe convince a couple of smaller funds to merge because they're just too small. Look at the fees. Mm-hmm. If you just simply took... I, I don't know what the numbers would be, mate, but I reckon there is much, 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 much less money lost by the worst 13 super funds than would be made if you said to the major retail funds cut your fees by a quarter of a percent. Mm. That's all you <laughs> need to do. Mm. If you really, really want to improve performance,
0: do that. Mm. I, I, it just, it just. It, I wonder also too on that if I agree. In I agree. I wonder also too is it, it's the way that the fees are quoted. So yep. it's it just seems low. It doesn't seem that much. You know, one and a half yeah, percent exactly. management expe- right. mer they call it a yes. management yes. expense rate. One wow. yes. percent, it's nothing. Yep. I mean, I get I get ninety nine percent to keep. It just. But but we don't yep. think in percentage terms. It's like well, for anyone with a half reasonable balance here, this is thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars every year, each and every year, year in, year out, whether it performs well, whether it performs badly. You know, if you got a, if, if if maybe they quote, they just had to quote the fees in dollar terms on an yeah. average balance. It'd be like, wait yep. a sec. We've yep. seen this as well because you and I are both in the business of selling financial uh-huh. products, and you know I. I Back when I was with you guys, what was it? It was a hundred bucks for an, an annual subscription. Yeah, we're gonna give yeah, you, we're gonna yeah. give you an idea every month. Oh, I don't know yeah. about that. And it comes from, it often comes from people who may be spending three thousand dollars a year on their super fund. You think for, for underperformance? Do <laughs> you know? It's sort of. I, I think anyway. That's that to me. I think it's the same. Let's here, here's another tangent for you. I think that's the same reason why real estate agents get away. Oh no, with it so you can't well. bring a tangent like that <laughs> up at the end of the podcast. Well, oh, I just, well, you know, it's just like we'll sell your house and we'll charge you two percent. You know, I was like, oh, 2%. Great. Well, only yeah. I get a few percent more. I was like, wait a sec, What's the average house price in <laughs> Sydney again? What? You're, I'm yeah. paying yeah. you 20, 30 grand? To, I mean, you're doing work and you're doing good work. Yeah. You know, no yeah. criticism yeah. here, yeah. but geez Louise, that is insanely yeah. high on, on an hour per hour basis. So it's a, it's very it's very clever. I think I think yeah. that, offline, let's talk about changing our fee structure to percentages, man, because uh, it's, uh. <laughs> it's much more appealing. It's much easier to swallow. Let's put it that way. It's a, it's a hell of a thing. All right, mate. Um, let's let's call it quits. Will you come back on Sunday for me? Uh, I did. You didn't think I was gonna gonna manage a, a real estate agent mentioned in this episode, did you? But I oh, I, I, didn't I did. I did th-
1: worry <laughs> we might have split this episode into two and do, do the other half next week, which was the real estate ramp. But you've done well to finish off in uh in some sort of in some sort of style and, and form and fashion. <laughs> yeah, but I'll be back. Uh, I'll be back on Sunday for sure. With a real estate rant or just- Probably, a you online. know
0: it, you know it. It's oh yeah, good point, good point.
1: All right, <laughs> thank you for listening, fools. We appreciate you spending some time with us, spending an hour or so in our company. We certainly enjoy doing the podcast for you. If you want more from Andrew, and you should, go to strawman.com, check out what Strawman has to offer. And of course, follow Andrew on the socials. Sage underscore Simeon is his Twitter handle. That's Sage, S-A-G-E underscore Simeon. Or at Strawman Invest, they're the two ways you can get hold of Andrew and of strawman.com. dot uh, com. What is Strawman again, matter I didn't ask you when I. Probably, I probably, you, I probably You're going to keep
0: trying, but I'm. Oh uh, yeah, I'm just coming back with it. We're a private investment club.
1: There you go. <laughs> careful what you wish for, mate. I may stop asking you something. I'm not, crea- not creating I'll give you enough. a free plug here. i am give you a free plug. Help me out. Um, or you can follow me on Twitter at tmf scott p. It's the same handle on Insta. The Motley Fool on Insta. Oh, sorry. Insta is The Motley Fool AU. That's the same handle on Twitter as well. Or on Facebook, Scott Phillips Money or The Motley Fool Australia. Do check out our YouTube channel if you wouldn't mind. Have a good look. It is The Motley Fool Australia. Just search there. You'll find it. And of course, my brand new podcast, that's my new baby mate I the love my children equally I The love Good it. Oil with Scott Phillips mm-hmm. It's got to, you got to have that on it apparently you can find it on search which is to my, much to my chagrin. but there you go um, The Good Oil with Scott Phillips I interviewed Stephen Kukoulos last time and very soon early next week a brand new episode is about to drop so if you haven't yet listen to the interview do that if you haven't yet subscribe please do that for me because um, the second interview is out next week um, Andrew you'll have specific interest in this one is all I'll say oh interesting yes